the stories of our faith, the stories we read in the Bible, the stories of our family members and our ancestors' own faith journeys, the stories of this church through its 90 years of history, those stories all are alive and make us who we are. They are not just history, words on a page. No, just as Francis knew, we are invited to step into these sacred stories, to use our imaginations and to wonder about them. And that's why we continue to tell the stories. And it's why we must continue to tell the stories to our children. Not for their sake, but for ours. Children have so much to teach us about imagination, don't you think? And wonder. And children have so much to teach us about the holy. Children show us the sacred when it is right there in front of us, and we've missed it all along. Well, I wonder what else we might need in telling the story of the first Christmas tonight so that we might hear the story in a new way. Because it is a precious story. Hearing it repeated so often can sometimes make it lose its meaning. After you've heard the story enough times, it kind of, kind of gloss over the details, you know? So if I were Francis today, and I wanted people to hear the story of Christmas in a new way, a way that would shock them and invite their imaginations to be engaged, then I would set the story somewhere close to us in modern day. I would set the story at the U.S.-Mexico border, not far from here. I would ask you to come with me to a place called Whiskey 8. It's eight miles west of the border patrol, you know, building, processing place. Anyway, the spot at the border wall. There, we would all see five or six pop-up tents, these impermanent structures that volunteers have raised there on the U.S. side of the border in the past few months as the humanitarian crisis at the border in our own city has increased exponentially. Did you know even today some members of our church were at the border? And there today are families with children being held between the U.S. and Mexico, held in this open-air detention center with only the services of volunteers to provide them with food and water and medical care. Yes, I would tell the Christmas story happening there tonight because you see the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, they were migrants. And wrapped up in the story of the birth of the Christ child was the imminent threat of danger. Do you remember this part of the story? That King Herod got wind of the new king being born. And he was ready to seek out that child and deal with him before he grew up. So the Holy Family were migrants, refugees fleeing political persecution and violence. So if we tonight saw the story of Christmas down at the border, I wonder what new aspect of the Christmas story would come into focus for each of us. It's easy for this precious story to become sanitized. 
And we need children and saints and prophets to remind us of where this story is still taking place today, right now. And of course, we cannot tell the story of a baby born in Bethlehem tonight and not tell the story of the thousands upon thousands of civilians, of children who are in Bethlehem today. We cannot look at the nativity scene anymore without seeing it covered in rubble, without knowing that if Christ were born in Bethlehem today, he would be one of the children we're seeing on the news, one of the children pulled out of the rubble as a building collapses around them. Do you see how these stories of our faith, how the story of Christmas is alive? How it keeps changing and how the truth of it keeps being true in new ways, even thousands of years later? The truth of the Christmas story that continues to be true, even today, is this. God has come to be with us. Into the messiness of our lives, God has come to live. The truth of the Christmas story is this. God condemns violence. God, in fact, transforms violence by coming right in the midst of it in the most vulnerable form possible, an infant. It is the children being held between the border walls tonight who are the, the Christ child today. The migrants, the families fleeing religious persecution and political oppression, the families who arrive with nothing but the clothes on their backs and their children in their arms, that is the Holy Family. You see, there is nothing in the world now that is not sacred. No human life that is not of infinite worth. Because the God of the cosmos took on flesh. Because love itself, love with a capital L, love was born in the midst of poverty and oppression and violence. And love itself, love with a capital L, God's own self is still born in the midst of poverty and oppression and violence. And that is the glimmer of truth we all know is there when we retell the story of Christmas. That despite it all, despite all evidence to the contrary, there is hope. And so tonight, when we sing that familiar, precious song about Bethlehem, we will sing an important second verse. Tonight, as we gather to celebrate the birth of God among us, even in our most broken, hurt, and painful places, tonight we remember that Christians in Gaza are not celebrating. Tonight we imagine the story of Christmas and know that if it took place tonight, in the place where it took place thousands of years ago, it would be the impossible glimmer of hope for ceasefire, for freedom from oppression, for peace. Tonight we will not sing only of that little town of Bethlehem and pretend that it is lying in stillness tonight. We will know that if there is stillness in Bethlehem tonight, it is out of fear and not peace. We will not sing of Bethlehem's dreamless, peaceful sleep. We will know that the people of Bethlehem and all oppressed people everywhere dream tonight of justice that leads to peace. 
nameless Bethlehem, you bear the wounds of war. Can words of peace make conflicts cease when freedom is no more? No. Therefore, work for justice. Let swords thrust none apart. When all are free, the world may see Christ born in every heart. It's true. O little town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee.